Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. We have just wrapped up a three-month series called The Road to the Infinity Festival, which was basically celebrating all the advisors and speakers and thought leaders who were presenting at this year's Infinity Festival Hollywood, which is all about storytelling enabled by technology. And we were actually broadcasting live there with Voice America, and so we're going to use today's show to focus on one particular theme that was very popular at the show, and that's blockchain, and specifically blockchain as it impacts Hollywood and the entertainment industry. So sit back and enjoy some great interviews, all taking place live at the Infinity Festival Hollywood, focused on blockchain. Well, hello everyone and welcome. We're broadcasting live from the Infinity Festival here in Hollywood, California. The mantra that we have at this festival is story advanced by technology. My name is AJ Duger, and I am one of the co-producers for the Blockchain Mini Summit here at this festival. The, the goal for Infinity Festival is to bring together the innovators from Silicon Valley with the creatives and the storytellers of Hollywood to create blockchain magic. So, I'm going to start with my guest here today, Mr. Simon Zhu. Hello, Simon. Hello, AJ. Welcome. Thank you. Simon is the Chief Executive Officer of Bitmovio. I'm going to have him explain what Bitmovio does in a second. But, uh, Simon, let's start with a, a basic uh, question that a lot of people have in their minds, right? First of all, you know, what is blockchain? And, you know, I'm assuming most of the people listening to this will have some idea. But more importantly, uh, you know, how, um, how is decentralization or blockchain different from cryptocurrency or blockchain or Bitcoin, rather? And then would love to hear from you how you got started or how, what introduced you to the blockchain world. Awesome. Thanks for the questions. So first of all, to summarize what blockchain is, I would uh, describe it in three elements. So basically blockchain, it is a decentralized uh, ledger, not uh, governed by a consensus mechanism. Now, of course, on top of that, now all of the participants in the overall ecosystem can get rewards through the token economics. So that's like the three basic elements. Right? So in terms Excellent. of what's the difference between blockchain and a cryptocurrency, as you see for the first two elements, the decentralized ledger and which is the consensus mechanism. You don't really need a cryptocurrency. Right? So that's why, I th- but then just to make the blockchain concept a bit more interesting, that's why people introduce those token economics and that's the cryptocurrency. Like Bitcoin, that's a native currency to the Bitcoin blockchain, ETH is to, to the Ethereum blockchain. Yeah. yeah. Then specifically for me, why I get into blockchain, because for me, just as my background, I was a technologist by training, um, bachelor master's degree from Peking University in China, Canada, North. Also, I worked as a scientist for about five years. Ever since I moved to the Silicon Valley um, for Stanford University, and I started to track what's 
what the next technology innovations. Now, of course, the, in the last three years, I think there are three major waves of technology innovation. First is big data, then it's artificial intelligence, and now it's blockchain. And I observe in firsthand how blockchain really revolutionized the fintech industry. Right. Then for me, um, after my last company, I was uh, very deeply interested in the entertainment industry, and that's why I believe blockchain actually can have very, very fundamental revolutional impact to the overall video and term ecosystem. That's why I started Bitmovie company last year. Excellent. So that's what Bitmovie is about. Yes. Now, you mentioned, you know, artificial, uh, big data, mm-hmm. uh, artificial intelligence and blockchain are the three main, you know, and, and, and th- you're right. I mean, they are huge right now in terms of um, not just awareness, mm-hmm. but adoption yes. of each of those technologies. Right. So, um, would you tell us, uh, you know, in, in your company, mm-hmm. I know you're focused around entertainment mm-hmm. and bringing entertainment to the masses uh, using the uh, coins, your own popcorn, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, if you wouldn't mind explaining to us how, um, you know, Bitmovie works at a high level and then, you know, if there's a big data mm-hmm. and an AI component to it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so in the nutshell, Bitmovie, it is a gamified video entertainment platform specifically built for the younger generation who grew up by playing the Fortnite generation of the Fortnite games. Sure. Because the problem what we observe at least for the current video entertainment ecosystem is right now the platform captures too much power and also too much voice. But then for the content creators and also for the consumers, somehow they are getting squeezed out. So that's why for Bitmovie, we want to create an open ecosystem. That's why specifically for the content creators, I think there are three major elements for them to somehow be treated more fairly. Right? That's more like the freemium business model and the gamification. For the freemium business model, which means that for the content creator, they can monetize their existing content either by putting it for free with ads, that's basically YouTube or whatever other people are doing. Right. They can do the microtransactions. They can also build a fan base to, for the fan donation, fan tipping. Right? So that's more for the existing um, content. Now nice. also, once they build a fan base, then they can leverage the fan base for their future content. So that's more for the existing and future content creation. Now, the third element that we actually think is, will be very, very interesting is more on the token economy side is to design those rewarding mechanisms to make sure all of the participants, content creator, advertiser, the fans, and also putting financiers, whatever attention contribution they did to the overall bit mobile ecosystem, they can get rewards. They can, can distribute more evenly. And so that's an important component, right? When we want to bring in decentralization, meaning we are disintermediating some of the components that generally are involved in today's entertainment industry, by rewarding the consumers, you are now not only incentivizing them to to participate in your platform, but also to add value. Exactly. exactly. So they're going to be doing, I'm assuming, when they watch a movie or a piece of content, they can provide ratings and reviews. Yes. Right? Which is then beneficial from a data standpoint to the filmmakers. Yes. So, um, and can you touch a little bit upon the financing aspect of it, financing the Mm -hmm. content creation? Mm -hmm. Is that something that Bitmovio gets involved in or do you uh, only accept, uh, you know, fully finished product for you to distribute? Right. Yeah, so it should all be rolled out in stages. So for our existing platform, we launched the platform uh, a couple of months ago. It's mostly just for the existing projects. Right. So they can publish existing content to do the, the premium events. Yeah. Yeah, because and then the next, for the next stage in the next couple of months, because once uh, the creators they build enough fan base, then they can publish uh, the project concept for them to get a prepayment from their fans. That's sort of like a patron Kickstarter sort of model on the Beatmobile platform. I see. Yeah. Okay. 
I like that. I think it's going to be, you know, once it catches on to the general public, yeah. there are some, some clear advantages and benefits that they want to, to participate. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's one sort of a why we want to do it because more for the younger for the generation, they, they are not passive viewers anymore. They want to be actively pers- yeah. participating in the creative process, sort of ownership of democracy. Actually. Sure. And you know the the term interactive entertainment has been around for a long time, mm-hmm. right? And gaming particularly lends itself very well to it. Yeah. And the the gamer generation mm-hmm. that are out there, you know, they, they and it's becoming so advanced now and, and high quality. Yeah. So I really like your approach of taking the that gamification and including it into an entertainment based system. Yeah. And you know, and gamers are also aware of um, receiving. Um, you know, cont- uh, prizes, right? right? It could right, be right. points that yep. you redeem. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember uh, playing um, the the AR game that was very popular, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so let me move on to the next section of our conversation, yep. which is the advantages of decentralization, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, if you look at, um, you know, some people might argue that having a centralized body of trust, mm-hmm. you know, or a central server has some advantages mm-hmm. in case, especially if there's a bad actor that comes in, you know, the central uh, entity has the authority and the control <laughs> to find out who it is or, <laughs> or cut it off and shut it down. Now, of course, that has some disadvantages too. Would you mind telling our audience what uh, you know some of the benefits of ed- of decentralization or blockchain is, and maybe in the entertainment sector, yeah. over the the way things are done today? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I think the uh, the major advantage of decentralization is just to make sure somehow all of the participants they have equal access to the resources, they have equal access to make decisions, right? So of course, uh, while there's a general consensus, yeah, of course, for the centralization, it, it can for example like more efficient of course right because that's, that's why someone makes decision but then the problem with the centralization is because all of the surplus value are captured by the, by the, by the, the governing body who make decisions governing and, body right right that's why all of the policemen somehow they just get screwed right okay. so, so maybe for decentralization maybe for example even for bitcoin for example for mining right they consume a huge amount of power resources but then for all of the participants actually they capture the value capture the power that can make them an active participants also contribution to build the overall ecosystem Excellent. that's actually the beauty of decentralization all right yeah. no i think that's that's yeah. beautiful mm-hmm. and, and and as far as the entertainment the independent film industry is yeah. concerned yeah. right yeah i mean Yes, we've, they've always struggled to get their content out into the masses, yeah. right? Yeah. They, some of them get uh, airtime in movie theaters, but yeah. for a very short amount of time, and most of the country or most of the world doesn't get to watch it. Right. Um, can, um, does blockchain help those filmmakers get their work out more op- more openly and, and more widely to the audiences? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yes, what, what, what a few of the, like, the benefits of blockchain, of course, is for anyone who somehow has a creative voice, have a creative idea, it can have equal opportunity to distribute to the, to the world. Now, of course, in terms of like the payment, in terms of the, all of those mechanisms, actually the creators, actually, they can decide how they want to do it. Other right. than that, right now, it's by Netflix or it's by YouTube or by whoever, right? right. Yeah, now, on, on the other hand, in terms of a censorship, for example, so I think one of the beauty of blockchain is also sort of a mass censorship as long as the content is legal, just to apply with the legal framework, then anyone who can somehow dispute to, to the world, as long as there are fans, there are active participants. Okay, right. okay. So that is the, the advantage because now, you know, in the traditional mm-hmm. world, to, if you're a filmmaker, yep. 
unless you know an agent or a script writer yep. or yep. someone in the studio right, it's right, hard right. to get any audience exactly exactly yeah. this one democratizes democratizes it right, then right, you know, you're able to just put it out there yep. and then if it's good mm-hmm. it's going to get more and more views yep. and, and that's why and then you can generate revenue from it too yeah ex- exactly and also blockchain can enable much much diverse revenue models right like microtransactions also yeah. immediately immediately instantaneously immediate and instantaneous right right uh, right, yeah, right, right exactly right, right, right. Perfect. Yeah. So yeah. So a, as we are approaching, we you know wrap this up in yeah. a minute or so. Mm-hmm. I think the last uh, thing that I would want to find out from you is you know where do you see entertainment going? You know we have traditionally you know the movie theaters are mm-hmm. always going to be around to a certain yeah. level, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And then you have the o- o- OTT services now and streaming yeah. services yeah. that are beginning yeah. in popularity and yeah. some great yeah. content coming yeah. from yeah. there. Yeah. And then of course there's there's gaming mm-hmm. and, and other kinds. So, uh, you know, based on what your company is doing and just overall the direction of mm-hmm. entertainment and technology, mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, could you give us your viewpoint on where things will be in the next two, three or five years? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, at least like in the very short term, I think there will be a lot of diversity in entertainment. Of course, right now, movie, and movie theaters, their ISFAR providers, AVAR providers, and they are still going to be coexisting. But especially for the content, also it will be sort of very diverse as well. They have the super high budget content. Now the pure usage general content also there are somewhere in between like the independent films the premium user general content they are also going to premium and also in terms of the business model also right now I believe it's the most most exciting time because right now just, uh, there are more and more sort of uh, models coming up for example, we have the, the subscription, advertising, transaction. We also have the gamification, like the game world, like whatever big movie is. So it's, it's, it's hard to see which one is exactly going to win in the short term. But we, we believe, at least from big movies, uh, just to tap into the gamification for the younger audiences, it can give an alternative way for the content creator to engage with their fans and monetize their fans. That can yeah. somehow make the whole ecosystem more diverse and more successful. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. think what strikes me mm-hmm. most is just the different ways to yeah. monetize it, exactly. like the business models. Yeah. Unlike what we're used to, where there's right. usually one or two or maybe three. Right, now right, right. The, the, yep. it's, it's wide open. Yep, 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 yep. Excellent. So, um, well, I think, uh, th- thank you for yep. all your insights. Yep. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you, you coming here today, Simon. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the audience that listens to these podcasts are general technologists who have a rising interest in blockchain right, right, right. and entertainment. <laughs> so they're trying to understand, you know, what, um, uh, you know, what brings these two together. <laughs> so, and I know your company is doing a, a great job in, in, in furthering that. So with that... Uh, I would like to uh, say thank you again for for coming and uh, we look forward to enjoying the rest of the festival and then uh, we have a panel together later on. Awesome. Thanks, AJ. Excellent. Thank you, Simon. Thank you. Take care. Hello, everybody. Uh, We are live from Hollywood at the Infinity Festival. Um, I am here with Tom Roach from Trinity X. Uh, We're going to get into some cool blockchain conversation. Uh, Just a quick background on the festival itself. We're here to talk and demonstrate how technology is driving story. And so you're going to hear a lot about augmented reality and uh, AI and even basic, basic fundamental storytelling from a tech side. Um, but in this in this format, we're going to talk about blockchain. Um, and Tom, I'd like to kind of kick it off with a little intro about, you know, first of all, your background. Who are you? And then we'll get into the next stuff. Well, a majority of my background was uh, working at the major studios here in Hollywood. Uh, I spent about 35 years 
starting off as a desktop technician and exiting as the enterprise CIO for Warner Brothers. Um, in March of last year, I decided to retire from the studio system world, and now I'm working in uh, promoting entrepreneurial activities around uh, digital objects, blockchain, and direct-to-consumer media. So blockchain was initially this thing that showed up and it dealt with um, drugs, criminals, and all of these other things that went outside it. And then this little thing called blockchain showed up, or I'm sorry, Bitcoin. When you were looking at all that back in the day, what, what excited you and in, in thought that, well, maybe this could be something I could work in? Because that all sounds crazy back yeah. in then. <laughs> it's really about how you work with your customer and, you know, you work with your audience and having a relationship with them over the blockchain that allows you to um, keep management of them and build a collaborative relationship with your customer and allowing them to take and turn you on to different customers that have the same like as they did. And then you're able to form a relationship with them and have it all tracked and, and managed. And then you could use AI on the back end of it and machine learning. Uh, to better predict how your customers are going to act and uh, and really work a relationship that isn't sort of creepy information <laughs> grabbing, but more this uh, collaborative work effort between you and your customer where you guys really, they get what they want, we get what we need, and it's a very good experience for them. And, and that's what really, I see this as the mechanism for promoting those kinds of relationships with your audiences. So years ago, I was in the mobile space, and I, I, I was at a CTIA, which is a big event, or sorry, GSM, which is a big mobile event, and uh, some tech team out of uh, some European country was kind of making fun of us, because when I say us, meaning from the Hollywood side of the business, because we've never known our customer. We've right. always had a middle layer in between us, our content, if you will, and the world. So if it's a theater, if it's a third party selling the movie tickets, if it's a third party, uh, like, a, you know, someone selling your DVD, whatnot, we never actually got to know our customer. We've had some conversations about this in the past. Data from a non-creepy way, if you want to put it, I think is the next frontier and where blockchain, but can you explain that and what, where that will take, you know, not just Hollywood, but also where the customer relationship with the IP owner meets? Yeah. I mean, because this isn't about like grabbing customers' data then selling it off to something that they don't have interest in or might have interest in. The people that are engaged with this relationship and that we're tracking through the blockchain are people that have demonstrated they, they want to know and they, they want to be communicated to and they want to have an interaction with the IP owner. So, you know, it, it's very much of this, you know, cooperative, collaborative uh, building up that kind of a, a customer base and an audience base rather than just buying data or getting Facebook data or whatever the data might be and thinking that it might apply to your audience, you know for sure when you're communicating with one of these individuals that they have an interest and they want this relationship and they want to typically collaborate with you further and give you more information and, and, and help you develop your future products and, and you could take advantage of that in your whole pre-production, through production, through distribution cycle. So, so the user gets to maintain basic anonymity with their, you know, where they live, what their name is. We don't need that. Right. So when, when I see, when I personally see the next generation of a, of a blockchain wallet, if you will, and how data moves in and out of it, where does Trinity X 
where do they take their next step? Where are you? What are you looking to to drive them to? Oh, we, we're working with uh, content owners for one. You know, people that are producing IP. We're also working with young companies that are coming up with a great idea. You know, uh, a lot of areas uh, that we're working in right now are representing companies that are working in this clash between gaming and traditional media. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of, uh, as I was explaining to you, I think earlier in one of our conversations, you know, sort of Twitch for uh, streaming movies and really getting back into the social experience about viewing IP, allowing it you to do it with a social community, allowing yourself and your peers to comment and even going as far as compensating some of the individuals that are these large fans and they're able to put together, you know, a, a certain film festival or a certain movie showing and um, really making them part of the whole process. Compensation is a really big word here. I guess Internet 1.0, Internet 2.0, is a, there's, you're still riding the traditional rails, if you will, of a banked customer, of maybe a Visa or MasterCard, which is good, of course. But at the same time, this new way of compensation that – let me rephrase that. The gamers have figured this out 25-plus years, even longer. They've figured out how to gamify engagement and reward value to the players problem, though, has been it's been in a wall garden. And as previous conversations mentioned, if your game ends, if your game maker disappears, your value is gone. Your, you know, your credit, your history is, is zapped away. But with the blockchain, it stays on an immutable record, it, the, 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 the ability to, uh, for everybody to see what has occurred. So the future of this ability to compensate, um, how is that going to change it from like, back to the, this film festival idea? That experience, like, is it a direct to IP engagement now, where the IP owner gets the revenue, or is it the fan that gets the revenue, or, or a mixture of both? Well, uh, through our uh, through using the data that we have in our relationships with our audience, we can tell who actually is the best at promoting a certain product. Mm-hmm. So we can reach out to them and say, "Hey, in the uh, you know you're based out of Austin, and within a direct impact or a direct." 20-mile radius of you, uh, you seem to be able to engage 20,000 people. Mm -hmm. And it could be going to a theater or it could be watching something online virtually with them. But really going through that data and finding out who these promoters can be. And then uh, uh, rewarding them on the blockchain outside of any given ecosystem. So it will be, you know, in a wallet, in a coin Mm -hmm. that, you know, regardless of the success or failure of our venture, they'll have that. Right. Renumeration. Now, at first, that could be uh, additional uh, credits on the site to watch more content. You know, it doesn't, it, it could be credits to do more things. Mm-hmm. It could be a digital object that you could redeem for uh, physical items. Um, or it could be coin. And, and giving them the ability then to have this revenue stream for doing something they really love. And, you know, they're a gigantic fan of. It, it just makes a lot of sense. All right, so switching gears here for a second, let's talk about digital objects. Um, historically, from the studio system, they're sitting on a, a, just a trove of data. Yeah. And that trove of data can be actually potentially now monetized for the first time. Okay. Do you see, maybe putting your Warner hat on for two seconds, do you see how a studio can take advantage of digital objects and what their next oh. generation is? I, I've been trying to do 
some sort of collectible at a studio for 20 years. Um, and, you know, back to the day of handing out a physical uh, card at the theater and then um, using conductive ink to have them lay that on top of their mobile device and wow. launch a website. I mean, that's how, you know, this has evolved out. <laughs> and, and, it, and it really hasn't taken off yet, but with, the, with I think, some of the larger IPs around, you know, graphic novels, comic books, there's a, trevor, a treasure trove of IP and a treasure trove of engaged fans mm-hmm. that would love to have some sort of collectible item. Yep. And, you know, you can build all kinds of functionality into these items. You can buy two cards and you get an additional card. You can redeem a card at a location to have some sort of physical, um, turn into a physical good or a physical promotion. Um, I mean, it, it's limitless what you can do. And, and the IP that is contained within these uh, products is is just the perfect uh, fan base and perfect content that you'd want to use. And I think what's happened over the last year and a half, we've seen a lot of people do it wrong. Right. You know, they've created overly complex digital objects or... They uh, require uh, Ethereum to complete the transaction. Mm-hmm. So you have these eight-year-old kids asking their parents what Ethereum coin is. Um, right. So I, I think we're, we've learned a lot now, and, and we've really figured it out where in 2020 is going to be the time when you're really going to see that whole marketplace open it up in the, in the media and entertainment. So it's interesting. Uh, technology sometimes ruins a product because the technicians built it in their own you know, agenda and brain power, and if it's actually built from the consumer yeah. to technology, and I think I think blockchain is is one of the first texts that Hollywood can finally get in front of. I, I think Hollywood's been beaten up from every tech that's ever existed. I mean, we got crushed in the music business by the Napsters of the world. We got crushed in the film business by, no offense, Netflix, but you've commoditized movies. Now with blockchain, um, this future of digital collectibles might change and generate revenue for the IP owners and give connection to. Yeah. Um, any last words before we move on from this? No, I, I, again, you know, I think hopefully we'll have the same conversation next year and we'll talk about the penetration into the media and entertainment market and uh, how we're doing there. Perfect. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, again, thank you for uh, tuning in. We are live from Hollywood. We're at the Infinity Festival and um, we're looking forward to seeing you next year. Take care. Hello everyone, welcome. We are broadcasting live from the Infinity Festival here in Hollywood, California, where our mantra is, story advanced by technology. My name is AJ Duger, and I am um, one of the co-producers of the Blockchain Mini Summit here at the Infinity Festival. Our goal here at the festival is to bring together the innovators from Silicon Valley together with the creatives and the storytellers of Hollywood by taking over one city block in the heart of Hollywood. Okay, so my guest today is Adam Lesh. He's with Breaker. He's the vice president of technology over at Breaker. I'll let him explain what that is, but essentially the topic today is going to be about blockchain in Hollywood and the impacts 
of the decentralization onto the traditional entertainment that we are used to. So, Adam, how are you doing this morning? All right. Excellent. Glad to be here. Perfect. Welcome. So let's start off with uh, you know the blockchain technology itself. A lot of people have heard the term. They they think it's synonymous with cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, right? right? And so let's start off by saying you know in your words. I know there are different definitions of it. How would you define blockchain, and how did you get introduced to that technology yourself? Sure. So blockchain is. Actually, a fairly simple concept that's been made a lot more complicated. And yes, it's not the same as cryptocurrency. It's just the underlying technology that makes cryptocurrency work. So imagine a spreadsheet. I think most people have experienced a spreadsheet. And the rows on a spreadsheet are entries, transactions that have happened throughout the course of time. And now imagine that same spreadsheet that's been duplicated thousands of times on computers all over the world. Now imagine trying to make a change to that. You would have to change it in all those locations in order for that change to, to hit. Otherwise, it would be rejected because it wouldn't match up with the other spreadsheets that are you know, elsewhere on, on, in the computers. Right. So that's kind of like blockchain. Basically, the idea is that it records transactions. It makes them immutable, meaning they can't be changed because they can't, no one can go in and make an adjustment because it's, it's duplicated so many times. And it... preserves that backtracking of all those transactions throughout time. So there's no way to, again, adjust it. It's transparent in the public space, so anybody can access it and and read off the information that's on it. Now, of course, that information is hashed, encrypted, not available to a person can't just read it and look at a transaction. They would see basically garbage. But anybody, anybody could pull a transaction off, and anybody who has the proper keys can actually decrypt that information. Absolutely. So you'd have to be a participant in whatever the application is that's writing that data to the blockchain in order for you to actually understand that data. I see. Now, that's great. Because, uh, and, and good thing that you pointed out the security uh, feature of it, because, you know, if you say that something's accessible by anybody and full transparency, then automatically we start to think, oh, wait right. a second. Is it right? not secure, right? Right, it's not secure. No, it's extremely secure because it uses the same technology, public-private key encryption, as military, for example, uses. So when something is encrypted onto the blockchain, it's used a public key, and only someone with the private key that it was encrypted with right. can actually read, read that information off of it. Perfect. Right. So since we're in Hollywood and this festival is all about Hollywood bringing, you know, and how's blockchain impacting or bettering the way content is created, financed, and distributed, I know that your company, Breaker, is in the thick of it. So, uh, you know, tell our audience uh, what Breaker does and, and specifically, you know, on the, from the entertainment side of it, you know, what advantages does decentralization or blockchain bring to the table sure. that, let's say, the traditional technologies before blockchain couldn't have done. Sure. So Breaker is a rights and revenue management play into the blockchain space. We started by creating a D2C app. It's actually out there on the, on the web right now, Breaker.io. It, as we have a mobile apps as well, independent content owners or anybody, frankly, can upload their content onto the system and they can do what's called tokenizing it. So that is essentially assigning blockchain addresses to a piece of content. Mm -hmm. Anytime there's a a transaction on our platform, all revenue from that transaction is pushed into those tokens at the, however it's designed. It could be split up. It could be have three tokens with 40, 30, 30 split in terms of percentages. 
and those anybody who holds those tokens in their wallets. And again, we're getting into some crypto language here, right. but um, you know, hopefully people understand that. I'll, I'll circle back to that in a second. They get their appropriate um, split of the con of the revenue that comes from that content transaction. So now you know. Now it takes so um, a wallet is a as a a crypto wallet is a place where you hold basically either cryptocurrency or tokens that have some kind of intrinsic um, function. In our case, it's revenue distribution. So if you had 100 tokens, right. and we assign 50% of the revenue to those, to those tokens, and you held 50, and Jonas held 50, then you would each get 25% of that revenue transaction. If you wanted to then sell your tokens, that's all you need to do. You can just sell them to somebody else, now they're receiving 25% of that revenue. So blockchain enables a management of your rights and your, and your revenues in a really effective, efficient way. Doesn't require contracts, doesn't require accountants. Mm -hmm. and, and also, since you're a participant in that revenue generation, then you also have access to the data on the blockchain. So no more accountants. You don't have to sue a studio or a production company to say, how much money did you actually make? Did I earn my 10% participation? Have you given me all the money I'm due? And so it, that's where the idea of disintermediation comes in. We are disintermediating some of the processes that make that create pain points in, in, the, in the supply chain of, of content. In terms of decentralization, right. so I, I, it's a slightly tangential um, example, but I like it, and that people are probably familiar with Ultraviolet. Yes. So Ultraviolet was a, supposed to be a perpetual license that you right. bought, and you would have access to your content that you've purchased over time, forever. You would be able to watch it on different platforms, you'd be able to download it, whatever that content was allowed to do, but it would last forever. Right. Ultraviolet shut down about three or four months ago, gone forever. Now, some people were able to transfer their rights over to some other single platforms, but no longer was it a global, multi-platform process. And some content, gone, some people have access to their content was gone forever. In a decentralized world, that wouldn't happen. All those rights would be loaded onto the blockchain. Now, to be fair, in, in full transparency as we like to do in the crypto world, if you don't have anybody giving you access to those videos, for example, then you don't have access to them. But the right you would be able to, to hold on to forever, and the minute it became available again, you would then once again have the right to that. So, I see. so the difference between a centralized world, decentralized world, something happens in a centralized world, it can just go away. In a decentralized world, it's there forever. So there's a real power in terms of rights management, revenue management. It doesn't require a trusted central source sure. of truth or or holding that, that information forever, and it allows a content owner, in, in our case, to make sure that they have perpetual access to revenue, and maybe even, as a, as a consumer, maybe even to that actual content. Okay, so let me, let me take that uh, to the next step, right? If I play a devil's advocate for a second, sure. right? So you, in the centralized world, where you have a single trusted source, right? Yes, there are certain disadvantages to that, but there are some plus points as well, right? For example, if, if something goes wrong with, uh, you know, data is compromised, you can have that single trusted source go in and, either sh you know, manipulate or stop or shut off the entire server, preventing anybody else from, from doing anything. How does that, you know, like the fact that in a decentralized world, there's no single trusted source and there are many trusted sources, if you will, 
How does that work, um, just briefly, in terms of you know, taking care of that disadvantage, that at least seems like a disadvantage? Well, I would push back and say that a centralized, the, what you're describing as someone being able to turn something off, right. is, a, is a pretty big disadvantage, right? Because yeah. it means that there's some entity who can stop what the application is doing. Control kind of like it, yeah. the Kind of like the ultraviolet situation, right? right? They ran out of whatever reason they decided to shut it down, and now people who are participating in that, yeah. or many people who are participating in that, have lost value. I think that in the, in the decentralized world, what ends up happening is that there's a community that sort of tends to build up around these things. Right. And so now it's kind of self-policed in a way. Mm -hmm. there's, it doesn't always happen that way, but it often does. There, there's these things called DAOs, right? Yeah. Um, decentralized autonomous organizations that are, that are beginning to get more popular again. Exactly. And the idea is that as a community managing this rights or right. managing your revenue or managing your application, you have a much more powerful situation than when there's a, a single entity that could, again, turn it on, turn it off, change it, yep. um, uh, you know, change the rules. All those things can happen with a centralized or, um, in a decentralized. Um, in, in a, oh, in a centralized. In a centralized Absolutely. way, but in a decentralized way, it requires a you know it requires the cooperation of everybody who's participating Correct. in order to make those kind of changes. Perfect. So no one bad actor can can you know make a catastrophic change. It, it you know again in the sense of, of transparency, it can happen. Sure. But it it's extremely hard Very for it hard. to happen. Absolutely. Because yeah. basically, what would end up happening is someone would have to somehow have the most a huge amount of influence, over 50% of the influence over that, over that application in order to make a change that everybody else didn't want, which is extremely unlikely. Extremely unlikely. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So in the last minute or so that we have remaining, uh, I'll just ask you just a general question about you know, entertainment. So the way people consume entertainment has changed drastically over the decade, right? Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, people still go to the movie theaters, but then there's so many other avenues for it. So uh, do you think that blockchain and especially what breakers doing right is there a difference in the way the content is created the category of the content and how people access it well with breaker what we're really what we're really focused on is sort of the more of the back end side of it right so that revenue management that rights management so the answer is that you know I'm sure you're familiar with the term Oracle. Yes. And so Oracles are that connection between the legacy world or the Web yeah. 2.0 world and the Web 3.0 world, which is where you know, people see blockchain going. Sure. So we, we see that those are really important in terms of the legacy way of people consuming content. So theatrical distribution, broadcast, all those things are still going to live on for sure. a long, long time, maybe forever. Sure. And so in order to make sure that all the revenue can be pushed Again, through that tokenization process, right. we need things like oracles and other ways to touch the, the legacy world uh, to ensure that people are gathering all the proper information, having it all written to the blockchain and creating that transparent ledger that a content owner can, can use to um, you know, make sure that they're getting what they deserve. Excellent. So in, in just to sum it up, I think there still needs to be a confluence of the traditional technologies along with the... Yeah, upcoming decentralization. I believe so. Yeah. I think I think those things are there's long tail to that stuff, right? Maybe it'll go away, but we're not talking about five, ten, not 15, in the near 20 future. years. Yeah. We need those connections, but the blockchain can make those uh, for the content owner yeah. can make it a lot better and a lot more transparent and a lot more, you know, and generate more revenue for them directly to them. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Adam. I appreciate uh, your coming to our podcast today. Thank you, AJ. Again, this is AJ Duger signing off from the Infinity, Fil Infinity Festival of Hollywood.
Hi, everybody. This is uh, Jonas Hudson, and I'm speaking live from the Infinity Festival here in Hollywood, California. And I'm with a uh, special guest, Susan Razor. Um, Susan, I'd love to start off with who you are. Let's okay. go there. That sounds always like a good place to start. Hi. I'm Susan Brazer. I'm the CEO of Lionshare Media. It's a 5G mobile media streaming platform that's going to target millennials and Gen Zs with premium entertainment, and it's all built to optimize converging and emerging media that'll take place in the 2020s. So we're looking forward to launching a new blockchain-enabled platform, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. I'm also the executive director of Global Women in Blockchain and an advisor to the U.S. Blockchain Advocacy Group in Washington, D.C., Wow. All right. So the Infinity Festival, the goal here is to kind of advance story through technology. Right. And you're going to hear about AR and VR um, and all types of wonderful advancements. But one underlying platform, I think that's going to change, in my opinion, how Hollywood works, how the consumers uh, aggregate content, consume content, et cetera, is the blockchain. Yes, absolutely. So before we get into that, I want to start with you. What, what, when was that moment where blockchain became that bright, shiny star in your eyes and said, I've got to get involved? Actually, it was really around May 2017 that it really came to fruition for me. I fell into what you'd call the rabbit hole for blockchain. It was just in the moment of the frenzy of ICOs, and as I was raising capital for Lionshare Media's next round, I thought this was a really modern and uh, disruptive way of raising capital, and I considered myself almost the poster child for that. As I am a female over 50, I think that my chances of raising an ICO, given my expertise and the platform that we were building, would be more likely in an ICO. But when I stepped in and saw the current state of how it was working and what the SEC was, you know, thinking about it, I held off and, and, and then I just got involved very actively in both trading and understanding the current state of the blockchain technology itself. And it's actually an interesting moment because if you pair blockchain to media and entertainment, uh, the, the transformative effects are, are, are across the board there in terms of blockchain has important capabilities to allow people to own their own data, to help self-verify their own profiles instead of, and, and really allow people to opt in and use their, their data where they have authorized it. Um, and I think that that, in terms of some of the bigger issues coming up with Facebook and some of the other bigger social media, is a very topical thing for uh, Hollywood to consider in terms of knowing their audience and as well as giving and empowering their audience to opt in, so to speak, with blockchain. So the advancement of, uh, and this is interesting, women in blockchain. Um, I work personally with Sofia Lopez, who is part of Kaleido, which is part of the Consensus Group. Yes. Uh, Mimi Slavin is an ex-DreamWorks Warner promotions and marketing uh, a per person, and she has actually taken her expertise and applied it to digital collectibles. It's great to see um, women flourishing in this business. Yeah. So, so, but your organization that you're involved with, how did you get into that? Well, you know, I met them at an ICO and, and an event, one of the uh, crypto events that was taking place in Las Vegas about two years ago. And I think what's really profound about why women are so attracted to blockchain is because at the essence of blockchain as a technology, it maps to female energy in a sense, about consensus, about democratization, mm -hmm. about trust, 
about collaboration, about uh, immediacy. And so we embrace that idea. It's, in, you know, it's sort of the fourth industrial level, uh, revolution, but really we miss the boat a little bit on internet in some areas. And I think that there's going to be a huge demand for uh, women who can code, uh, and blockchain opens up an enormous possibility. So through the organization, we have projects and programs to educate people on doing blockchain programming. But as well, as it really opens up the door in blockchain for women because there's an essence of all of what we want to transform, right? So we want to make things more secure. We want to make things more known. And I think that every one of the entrepreneurs that are in this global organization that has about 2,500 active entrepreneurs wow. um, and growing, um, as a matter of fact, one of the initiatives that we're looking to do is to work with Salesforce and do uh, um, the, the actual walk the walk of blockchain and putting the the actual organization and our members on the blockchain so oh, we can self-verify our profiles. Great. Okay. Yeah. I love it. So let's go to Hollywood and you've your background now moving away from the tech side. The, one of the problems I have noticed, especially with the mass consumer adoption is what's a wallet? What's a token? Bitcoin scary? Uh, you know, all the bad yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, so how did you jump in and say, okay, I'm going to apply blockchain to Hollywood, and what's, what are the pitfalls and the advantages to that? Right. So I think that Hollywood faces a number of challenges in reaching, engaging, and monetizing Gen Z and millennial audiences. You know, it's flat growth to the cinema. Um, it doesn't look like it's going to grow any faster. We're seeing the rise of OTT video services so that you can buy a monthly subscription for the cost of a ticket. I think that there's a huge... Uh, uh, competitive ocean of players from the entertainment industry backing a lot of those OTT services with you know people like Apple and Hulu, uh, not people companies like <laughs> Apple and Google. But the, the the challenge of all of that is that the margins are not really uh, great. And when you see around this room all the talent that's going into more immersive, visually interesting experiences. Um, that are place-based, that are real-time data, that map to the real world. We're looking at, with Lionshare, the next, or leapfrogging the OTT video stream uh, of services like a, and moving into more immersive media. Mm -hmm. And that means a more connected, visually uh, rich experience using AR, VR, interactive video, live streams, multi-angle viewing, 360s. So we want to empower the premium content creators, all the studios and the people here that have moved forward into interactive with a distribution platform that end-to-end -end uses blockchain in different ways and generates uh, monetization for them as a direct-to-consumer platform. So in the mobile space, uh, technology has always kind of been a little bit ahead. Yeah. Of the end user, yes. right? Um, but with the advent of 5G, yeah. right, basically on our doorstep, you're going to transform everything. Right, you're yeah. going to see all this fall into place. So how, so how are you engaging in that? Right, so Lionshare is actually embracing and trying to make it simple for premium content creators. We're building out a new distribution platform that allows uh, for the convergence of 5G, the higher speeds, the lower latency, the, you know, the, the fatter bandwidth so that the throughput moves very quickly to different phones and smartphones. And there'll be a whole new generation of phones that can carry these kind of services. Yeah. All the telecom operators all over the world will be looking to, to show off these new services and phones with these new types of experiences. So I think there's going to be a, a gathering. But what's challenging about that is the distribution 
capability. Right. So we're building almost a smarter container using Web 3.0, which is enabled by the new internet. So it's more spatial, it's more transactional, it's more integrating with real-time data and sensors. So we're going to build the, the kind of future applications, and we're going to enable that and partner with bigger studios and open the door for monetization for all the interactive cap services. So explain Web 3.0, because when I go to a geek blockchain conference, <laughs> everyone talks in like yeah. words that shouldn't make sense to most. Uh, you know what? We're in Hollywood now, so yeah. what does that mean to you? You know what? Here's the simplest way to think about Web 3.0, um, in a sense. Um, you can build, today we're moving through app ecosystem where you're downloading nat native apps through the app stores, iOS and, and, and Google. Um, what's going to be happening in the future is the first and easiest thing to say is that web apps will be able to have the same rich experience using cloud and edge services, but you're going to be clicking on a link as opposed to having to download an app. So you could actually, it'll have much more cost-effective marketing. It'll be much more accessible. So that's an easy thing to yep. say, like Perfect. how are you going to get it? The other thing that you should know is because those web apps are not sitting in the ecosystem on an Android or um, the Apple Store, that 30% for microtransactions does now not translate back to their banks, but it, it stays within the whole of the uh, content creators. Plus the time it takes to get an app approved. Correct. All that is gone. And so all, also some of the rules in different markets, you'll be able to have with a spatial, uh, you'll have much more interaction in terms of, you know, AR and VR, right? Mm -hmm. For, you know, those apps, you know, when you download an app, it's like a single experience. The notion of creating a web app in our case, it's a progressive experience, just like games have. You progress up. Mm -hmm. In this case, we're doing it for premium content. So reimagine the DVD experience. The Blu-ray kind of folded, and now we're into what would be a movie and a film experience in a web app, in a 5G-enabled web app, um, that uses AI to curate content based on who you are, where you are, when you're watching it. And, and so all those triggers. So it's a mashup of all these emerging technologies that will come together to build out these new ecosystem and distribution is essential to that for, for the Hollywood scene. So who, who's going to own distribution? Now, we're ah. getting a little off topic here, but I want to know okay. from your perspective, we've always had uh, these walled gardens of distribution. Yes. If it's a video game, if it was a movie theater, if it's Netflix, which is about to explode into multiple OTTs. Like in this Web 3.0 environment. I love the question because I'm really behind the idea of democratization and that's where the blockchain philosophy comes in. In a Web 3.0 environment, you could have your own app, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm having, I'm an artist, I'm Jay-Z, I'm gonna have my own connected direct-to-consumer experience. That app is empowered by our system, but it's his app, mm -hmm. and he puts his content in, and we provide support for the monetization. So it, you know, the in-app advertising, the commerce transactions, the ability to do intelligent offering engines. So all of that is empowered by a, a sort of a behind-the-scenes platform, but everyone can own their own direct connection. That's the view. So like where Quibi is going to be a mobile-first uh, media distribution, they're a subscription service. Ours is a, like using the games model of a free-to-play web app where you can then just charge people for different um, services and the content creator gets the lion's share of the money. So what's your rollout strategy? I don't have to maybe not perfectly, but wh where do you see yourself six months from now, a year from now? Great. So we're doing some big partnerships. We're looking into a partnership uh, with a major technology development 
partner. Um, we're rebooting this because of the, you know we built this as a SaaS-based platform in 2014, and for two years we built out a native publishing platform, mm -hmm. and in recognition of not only blockchain, but all the other technologies that are going to make a 2020s platform, we're targeting our partners to be 5G, like the telecom operators, the handset partners, and building out new entertainment services. We're also raising a digital media fund uh, using digital securities to co-finance all those moves. So a lot of what Hollywood is resistant to when it comes to innovation and new distribution is that they want to they want to be financed and encouraged to do it. Mm -hmm. So Lionshare is also raising a $300 million digital media fund to support uh, the content creator community in building out these new web apps and we'll share in the revenue on the back end. And are you going to use user gen services at all or is it purely premium? Lionshare is focused on premium content and, um, and luxury products but not user generated. Okay. There's plenty of services out there that are doing that. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so I guess... We'll probably wrap this up here in a minute, but uh, where do you, what are you gonna what do you see the Infinity Festival delivering for not just yourself but for your own personal knowledge as a you know growth and, and whatnot? Well, you know what I love the idea of Hollywood 3.0 for the Web 3.0 and 5G, and I think that this community is going to be the heart and soul of creating content for that group. And I think it's a what's warm about this for me is I'm originally from Silicon Valley oh, yeah. in terms of my work. I started at Apple in the 80s, and I love the idea of the 2020s being this absolutely uh, conversion of, of talent um, and merge of talent from Silicon Valley, the tech community, and finally seeing it flourish in terms of telling stories. Well, it's funny, like the dream... The dream of like Silicon Valley that I've seen is they've been trying for, from day one to get into Hollywood. It's now switched. <laughs> I think they kind of own Hollywood. I think Hollywood it's great to like kind of keep the whole corridor <laughs> open and let the creative juices flow. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, right, um, Susan, thank you so thank much. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the next couple days here at the event and uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the product. Yes, and I'm excited about it. You know, if you've got any questions, please find us. Uh, Susan, how do they find you? Um, Susan at lionsharemedia.com and I'm on social all over the place and look forward to uh, uh, connecting. Great. Well, thank you from the Infinity Film Festival and we will see you soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 